Welcome to the Three to Ten Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years, exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he's a bit more coherent when he is running. All right, so we're here. You're running. I'm sitting. I'm sitting in a dark room. Uh, but good morning, well, you ran Mark. already. I did. I did run already. How are you today? What's going on? Well, I think, you know, the weather, it looks like it's broke a little bit, which is great. And uh, yeah, I'm just doing an easy run and big project going on at home, which is moving Sam into the guest room, which we were using as our office and moving into our, Jonna and I moving our office into Sam's room. So yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the current thing going on at the house this morning. Everything's How about you? About the, What's going on? Well, we're, this is the uh, third day that I will be alone in this house for most of the day for the first time since September. I mean, uh, since, uh, oh, wow. since February, February, really, because uh, Joanna is back teaching. Uh, well, not with kids yet, but preparing. So she's at school and Chase is with my folks uh, and his cousin. So... It's me and the cat here, uh, which makes the perfect environment to have a good conversation with you. So I, I feel fortunate about that. So this is this is our. I was I actually looking back because I had some notes. Like this is our third. I guess officially this is kind of like our third kind of conversation that we're trying to have. And how are you conceiving of these conversations? Well, I, a couple of things. One is, you know, I think we're committing to doing some listening and reading outside of these and then bringing topics and ideas that we want to process out loud and with each other as kind of thought partners, maybe more than anything else, like having that opportunity to process out loud, I think makes a huge difference as well as get another perspective, even though, you know, as we, should be clear as two white men who basically share like a lot of demographic similarities and so on and even a certain amount of life experience that it's still good to get someone else's take on what you're thinking um so that's kind of what i've been thinking about it how about you yeah no i i think that's 
really, and, and you kind of came to that a couple calls ago, like this is, because I think you and I both do a lot of reading and listening, you know, listening to podcasts, audiobooks, um, reading stuff, and I've been doing a lot of that specifically about race, probably over the last couple of years. But that does still become a very solitary activity for me. Um, you know, I'll talk to yeah. Joanna about it. We have a lot of conversations in my workspace, um, but still, I don't process uh, a, a lot of of what I think about, about you know what I'm thinking through that. So this has been kind of fun to do that, and it's also kind of good to get turned on to different things. I mean, just so you know, last we got talking last time about we got a sort of a side, not side. We got a discussion a little bit more about gender and a little bit um, yeah. about meditation and Dan Harris. And so I did get 10% happier. Huh? And um, nice. I've, I've listened to, um, well, I've actually got it. Uh, it's like the 1990s all over again. I have it on CD, which means I'm only listening. Fortunately, yeah. I've, had to, I've had to be in the car a couple of times, just like the functioning CD player I have. Um, so I'm like on disc three, but like that's, it, like that's been interesting to kind of think about. Um, and I also got the book Breath or Breathe breath yeah there we go whatever it is and um yeah started that and you know those are you know the the concepts of mindfulness meditation breathing are things that i typically am very dismissive of to be honest so it's interesting to be pushed on that stuff a little bit by you to check those things out so um the other other thing oh good no you go ahead finish up well the only other thing i was gonna say in terms of I mean, uh, I was thinking about this, this just this morning on my run. I was listening. It was a it was a repeat of um, an episode of um, of uh, Code Switch. Do you listen to Code Switch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, so, I've listened to that. Yeah. So, the, so they had one. I'm pretty sure this was a, a repeat of one that was about friendships across racial. Um, mm. Cross race, and uh, so I was listening uh-huh. to that. But there was a there was a line in there where they were talking about a, the story about a couple women, and then um, who one was white, one was black, and some of the barriers that they had in their friendship and why those existed. And then there was this discussion of um, a guy who had done some research, and one of the things that he found was that, it, like in college, both white students and black students were interested in cross racial friendships. But yeah. in most cases, the white students, what they wanted out of the friendship was hang out, have a beer, have fun, right? And a mm-hmm. lot of the black, what many of the black students wanted was an opportunity to engage a little bit more about the issues of wow. race. And so the wow. goals of that, so I was thinking about that with you and I, and I was thinking about that, the friendships that I have, right? I don't have a lot of, especially now we've been locked down, I'm, I'm not interacting with a lot of other uh you know of my friends but even when i am it you know the default might not be to talk about this stuff so i'm glad that we are yeah. are, are making space for it. good and and since i don't really have friends other than you it's very helpful um and uh yeah there was something you said there that caught my attention but it slipped my mind it'll come back to me um well, I had a specific thing to ask you about that um, came up in something on NPR just this morning. But it's been something I've been thinking about 
over time. But, you know, before I do that, is there any burning thought or question you wanted to address? No, no, I've got, I got a, a number of, of uh, you know, uh, sort of threads that I can pull on, but I'm curious to hear what you heard on NPR. Let's just go with that. So, yeah, they're talking, you know, they're, I guess one of the uh, correspondents traveling through the Southwest, like Arizona area, and visited five families, interviewed them on their take about the election, voting, the, you know, politics, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, in someone's home, suburbs, biracial couple, woman is Latino, Latina, man is white, but a uh, very religious family, or I guess very church-connected family, and uh, really advocating, you know, they asked a question, what keeps you up at night? You know, what are you worried about? And her answer right away is the Democratic Party. And she says, um, it's too divisive. And basically saying, why don't we focus on what we have in common and what we love about this country as opposed to what we have different? And so I have a lot of thoughts on that and curious of yours, but also just in this big idea of like, I'm really curious, you know, we've talked about my, where I live and that there's a lot of Trump supporters here, especially including friends of my kids' families. And I just, I have, I just don't understand. And I know that's so like narrow-minded, but like I, it just is hard for me to kind of get my head around. So my question is kind of like, and I know you can't answer this, but I'm curious what you think. Like, why, what, what is going on for those people who are Trump supporters? And especially given that they, you know, especially like not kind of the typical base, maybe, maybe more like let's focus on the suburban base. I would just say that maybe is a typical base, but like not the gun toting couple that, you know, talked at the convention, but like, you know, my kids' parents, my kids' friends' parents, those folks. Mm. So yeah, what do you make of that? I mean, I think we've been talking about this and, and, and wondering about this for a decade now in some ways, right? I remember the, the book, What's the Matter with Kansas? Um, which was like, basically, you know, why, you know, why do white people vote against what appears to be their self-interest? You know, poor white people, for example. Um, and I, I, I come back to the same answers, but they're not satisfying, right? So some of that is that I think- Wait, can I just interrupt for a second? Yeah. As much as possible, I want to hear your thoughts, not on white people that are low income, but the one, the kind of pretty well educated, yeah. pretty well off, but not rich white people that, you know, are kind of living a suburban life. Right. You know, they got kids, they got careers, they're not, they're not poor, they're not rich. Right. And then 
and they're educated. Like they've, you know, they've been to, they've, they're college educated, maybe even masters. Yeah. Although so, not all, I guess. Right, yeah. right. So I have a, so first of all, I think, so one, one answer for some people, and it may not be your um, neighbors, but one answer is clearly abortion. Right. Like, I think mm. the power of abortion cannot be underestimated in this country. So for a lot of people, oh. that thing trumps everything. And all I got to know okay. is who's going to get the right judges on the Supreme Court. Um, yep. And then everything else kind of. So that's that's one thing. So I think what happens is that there are different blocks of interest that pull people together. So that's one thing. I think economic policy is another thing for people who are rich or who are doing pretty well. And I think that yeah. people like legitimately know that if you're in the, the upper tax brackets, Trump is gonna be better on your tax returns than Biden is, yeah. or they believe okay. that. Um, so, so, so that's a couple of things, but the one, but the thing that may be most interesting to our discussion here, and, and I know I've been sort of touting this Isabel Wilkerson's book of, called Cast um, and uh -huh. th th that I mentioned last time, and I, I finished it since our last discussion. She Wait, are you about to take a framework and use it to understand a problem? Very <laughs> Princeton of you. Yes, okay. thank you. <laughs> this is, uh, I know I should go back and redo my thesis. It would have been better. Um, so, so, you know, basically she makes the arguments, you know, so like, as we, as we talked about before, I mean, she generally wants to understand, you know, race in, in America or the American social system as a caste system. And what she says is we get it wrong when we say people are voting against their interests when they vote for Republicans yeah. because the we think that we're they're voting against their economic interest or health care or ultimately the better of society in terms of like social safety nets that would help their neighbors and therefore them you know but she says yeah. what they're actually the interest they're they're voting for is the maintenance of a system in which no matter yeah. how bad things get they're not on the bottom because they're not black yeah and mm -hmm. it, it seems to me like I, I yeah. that made a lot of sense to me. I think you could, a lot of people would totally dismiss that. And I think you would could look at from neighbor to neighbor and be like, mm, I don't really believe it's like that deep seated kind of, you know, inherent bias. But all the dog whistles are about maintaining what she would call that caste system. And ultimately, yeah. That is seen as in my interest, even if everything else, even if 180,000 people around the country die, right? But if we're maintaining that, ultimately, no matter how bad it gets, I can still feel pride in myself as an American because I know I'm, I'm the best American. And I think that could run pretty deep subconsciously in a lot of yep. people's minds. Okay. I'll buy that. I don't know. Mm. What do you think? I mean, do you, do you have a different Yeah, area? no, I think, <laughs> no, I think there's uh, a lot to that. I mean, I have a couple thoughts. One is when I think about the families that I'm, you know, currently focused on their church going. So whether they're pro-choice or not, I don't know. Yes. But that certainly could be a thing. But also I think there is a 
you know, like we've seen posts from at least one, maybe a couple that are like biblical references and shit mm-hmm. during the whole time. Um, and then, so I think that's for real. And I think it's the economics. You know, Sam has this one friend, and they'll, they'll talk directly about it in text. And he was saying that one of the things the kid said lately was like, well, economics are better with Trump. Mm. And, you know, I'm like, hmm. I was like, what does that even mean, that word economics? Like, well, right now, the employment rate's crazy. The, you know, what the stock market's up. This kid's parents are, one of them is a financial analyst. Like, that's her job. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm sure that's good. But, and then even like, you know, we talk about post-pandemic or pre-pandemic, we had black unemployment rate lowest ever or whatever but again like at minimum wage like that means absolutely nothing to me mm-hmm. that that yeah. uh yeah that's that it's kind of in a way it's almost a sign that there's a problem in that yeah you've gotten all these people in these jobs that doesn't mean they have the time or space to develop and move up the you know the ladder um so I, but I think the big thing is about maintaining the status quo and whether it's maintaining the cast per se, yeah. or just maintaining like, look, I'm good. I got my family, my house, my job, my kids, my community, my church, whatever. And all I hear Donald Trump say is, keep it, keep it, keep it for those that have it. And those, which I think is like kind of this make America great again idea. Like you can have everything you want and you don't have to worry. And then, you know, on the other side, not really just not about race or class, but that like sense of, Look, I have mine. If you want yours, you go get it. But I'm not helping you. Yeah. And I guess that's where I see the big disconnect. It's just kind of beyond me that, like, I could, but maybe it's all relative. Like, you know, I, you know, someone could challenge me kind of on the same things. But, like, I'm going to hold on to mine regardless of, what else is going on around me? I just want to push that away. Or the way I process it is, look, those people have as good a chance as I do. They just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So that's kind of what I just don't get. Because these, the people I'm thinking about, they have the space to have this thought. It's not like, they're in survival mode or anything. They have the time and space to be a little reflective. And yeah, okay, that's what I got there. So it's, so how much of this is, because what, what, the two words you haven't used but are going through my mind constantly as you're thinking mm-hmm. about this is this idea of personal responsibility. And yeah, that right. is so, I mean, I guess the, the, the little idea that I'm having is 
the idea of personal responsibility is so embedded into our conception, our sort of Western conception yeah. of what it means to be a good person and a right person, a successful yeah. person, and an American. It's very different than yeah. many other cultures. And it's very much, you know, if you yeah. see those sort of lists of white supremacist culture, right? Like this idea of like yeah. individual responsibility. You yeah. said, you know, pull up by your own bootstraps. So I think, right. I think if you, if you deeply believe that, and if you look to your own life, right? And you feel like, hey, I did this, right? And people don't understand right. their own privilege. <laughs> we also happen to be born right at a certain time in history in a certain town with family with a certain right. amount of money a certain skin color but i think that that um th th it's very easy to look across at so much of what i think the democratic party is putting forward as great stuff and see it as attacking the idea of personal responsibility so yeah totally and 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 and, and that is easy then to i think say like, oh, that's against my worldview. Because, right. you know, like I want people to do great, but I don't want a situation where you're taking away from hardworking people and giving to people who don't deserve it. Because there's this big thing about who doesn't deserve it. Right. So, so and I think this is where the stuff from seen on radio, the white, mm. I don't know which, the democratic one, the white, see white, seen <laughs> white is. They're merging. It's, it's they overlap. blurring in your too much binge listening. <laughs> but the bottom line is like, you know, the historical context that leads to the institutionalized and systemic issues. And again, no, I agree. So this is maybe the point, maybe it's the linchpin. I think that may be a big differentiator. Maybe two things. I'm just kind of, simplify this in my own mind as a way to begin having a conversation with my own children and maybe with other people too. So I'm just playing this one out for a second. Okay. That really we're talking about two things. We might have some paradigmatic differences around. One is the responsibility of the community and the responsibility of the individual. Mm -hmm. And that we have paradigms around that throughout history and throughout cultures that are not the same at all. Yeah. And America tends to be individualistic, personal responsibility paradigm. For better or worse, that's the myth and it's the yeah, the yeah, it's the mythos. Is yeah. that the word? Yeah. 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 So then, so then that's one piece. If we fundamentally disagree or have different paradigms, I don't even say disagree. Literally, have different paradigms on that issue that changes how we see everything else. And then the other issue is historical context and its relevance. On one side is look, we're here now. The past is the past. Let's deal with what's going You know, this is the reality in this moment. Kind of a, I won't, I'm trying to use a non pejorative language here. Mm -hmm. Just like, mm -hmm. like, we have to focus on the now. This is what it is. In, you know, in very pragmatic ways. And look at the examples of people that have been successful. 
And on the other hand, the other paradigm is we can't look at now without looking at history and the systemic and institutionalized systems of oppression around race, class, gender, um, sexuality. And if you don't take those into account, you're just simply not, you know, it's, those matter. So those seem to be, again, like, if you have different paradigms around that, then you're really looking at everything very differently. What would you add to that list of kind I, of key? Yeah, I, I appreciate those two things. I, I mean, right now I wouldn't add anything. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about those, you know, what I want to say about the historical context piece is that I, I, this is why it's so great that you frame those kind of these paradigms because people don't, you can't think outside of that. So like I already made the argument that I think that the sort of responsibility of the individual being this incredibly powerful framework for so many people, but the historical context one is the, also makes sense because I think people like they, people say, yes, things used to be bad. The laws were bad, you know, but then they say, you know, civil rights uh, act happened, you know, the 1960s passed. And it's gone. And I think that people really don't, um, they, they don't understand, they legitimately don't believe that those um, barriers that existed resonate today. Whereas, you know, you and I would right. say, you know, not only do they, we can, we can point to the many, many ways that, that they do. Um, but it's, well, so I was thinking about this, because I actually watched briefly, um, I guess it was Trevor Noah, um, like his sort of recap of day one of the Republican. Uh -huh. yeah. So, you know, yep. there, there were a couple, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, right? Both yeah, right. You know, former governor and current um, senator. And, you know, what what Noah was saying was like, you know, the, the, the exceptionalism of these two is what proves systemic racism, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> and, 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 but people look at that the opposite way and they look and they totally. say well they proved anyone can do this but i think right. you know but but noah's saying but wait a minute if anyone can do it why is tim scott the only black man in history to have ever served both in the house and the senate right and why is nikki haley the first female governor of color ever right so um it's it just you know can those I, paradigms are yeah I just, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, that was I had a rambling. good connection to those two. Well, to a personal example with Kip, especially when I used to work there. Um, you know, and by how I used to think about things and how that shifted, how that shifted um, for me personally. And that I think we were we were trying to prove the exceptionality thing, like purposely, like saying, mm. all right, look, if you're like got this committed family and you're willing to work super hard, and by the way, you can, like you can sustain it, you can make it, like you can gather all the energy and resources you need to make that work for you, you can be one of these exceptional people you can go to an exceptional high school and college all that we are almost trying to like create 
the opportunity for these people to develop the Nikki Haley's and the Tim Scott's of the world. And I think that I believed at the time, part of why that was a good idea was, well, look, I know there's so many white people that don't even believe that the, the kids of color I'm working with can even achieve. And the more they achieve, the more white people will be like, oh, they can do that? They can, they can be as successful, as hardworking, as um, smart, whatever, right? And so that's gonna help change my racism. Like, or that, that might change people's racism in the sense of like opening their eyes to what kids could do and people could do, kids of color. And I think what it, it now I've kind of come so full circle on this, or not full circle, I've come 180 degrees, it's like, it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> it's exa all that's doing is reinforcing this very narrow view of exceptionalism and reinforcing the idea that there is no systemic issue and that that's not something we need to do anything about. Almost making the problem worse. There you go. Well, I and think, I could throw in a Peter Senge systems thinking thing in a minute, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, so I'm thinking, um, yeah, we may wanna go in a direction, not not today, because we're, we're running out of time, yeah. but- We um, gotta wrap up soon. We, we do have to wrap up, but but, you know, we might want to go into continue that line of thinking about. Uh, I'm thinking about education specifically, and I'm thinking about schools yeah. and sort of how schools can support. How do they sustain the status quo? How do they maintain a social order? Um, you know, our our own efforts, however failed they've been at times, to to try to battle that, or ways that we've. I mean, I I wouldn't mind having a conversation with you about our years working together and the things we did right. And I think really would like to talk about many of the things I think we did wrong. Um, yeah. As a, as a that sounds so much fun. Yeah, that sounds like a great <laughs> conversation. But, um, but this, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, it's funny, we, we go into the conversation, we're not sure where it's going. Um, but I think this idea, and, and you framed it well in terms of these sort of paradigms of, of responsibility of community and individual and, and sort of then historical context relevance. Like that's been really helpful to me. Like I'm gonna be thinking about that um, over the coming days as, you know, as we're watching this sort of these political conventions play out, as I'm thinking about my own neighbors. I mean, I have two Trump voting neighbors as well, or they were last year. I'm not sure, the signs aren't out as, as uh, <laughs> yet, um, but we'll, but I do talk with them. So, you know, just having the, that framework to think about is going to be good over the coming week. So I'm, I'm excited that this conversation has got me uh, with some, some, some lenses to, to think about what's going on around. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So there's a lot upcoming. What we did wrong, what maybe we did right, maybe what we did right by accident, what we did wrong on purpose, who knows? And, uh, and then also maybe reporting back about any conversations we wind up having, maybe we'll have to 
set up a, a challenge, a neighbor conversation dialogue challenge. Mm, of, I like that. You know, who goes out and has a conversation and, and then kind of what comes of that? Yeah. I'll ponder that. We'll Until out. next time, run well. Okay, and, you run uh, well too. How, how many more miles have you got? I'm half a mile. It's good timing so, on this call. Yeah. Perfect timing. There we go. All right. Good conversation. Keep thinking. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>